going to turn now to the Word of God. And we're going to read a few verses from Judges uh, chapter 14. And you'll forgive me tonight if I sound a little bit uh, crooky or hoarse. Um, I said to one of our ministers this morning, uh, this was about 12.45 in the morning, he wasn't asleep and neither was I, and I said to him uh, just on the phone, have you any remedies for uh, a raspy voice? He said, yes, cider vinegar, a thing called molasses, and a few spoonfuls of honey. And I said to him, hi, dead on, cider, are you trying to get me drunk, brother? You'll have me out of the church. And of course, he was in fits of laughing. I said, well, where would I get molasses at this time of the night? I don't even know what it is. So he said this was a recipe that his father had. Uh, so he, he forwarded on by text. So uh, maybe later on today or tonight or maybe tomorrow, I'll get round to making this substance. And uh, of course, I, I don't want to hear anybody saying, oh, I've seen the Reverend McLaughlin staggering about, uh, carry enough, uh, for you'd know that this cider vinegar would be having an effect. So um, he has assured me that it's not alcoholic. So that's at least a, a welcome thing. But we're going to read from Judges chapter 14. And we're going to read the first nine verses of the chapter. Judges chapter 14. Judges chapter 14. For those who are visiting with us, you're most welcome. We're having a wee mini-series at the moment on the life of Samson. And that's why we're turning to Judges at chapter 14. And just for information, as you turn to the place, I would encourage you to remember in prayer the preaching of the Word of God. I, I have in my mind uh, some texts of Scripture on a theme entitled Christ in the Midst. And um, I, I want to preach some messages later on in the year regarding that very theme. But uh, for tonight, we're turning to Judges chapter 14. Judges 14 and we'll read verses 1 to 9. Let's hear the word of God. Reading, of course, from the authorized version. And Samson went down to Timnah. And saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and mother. And said, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me to wife. Then his father and mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, or among all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord, that he sought an occasion against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnah and came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion roared against them. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand. But he told not his father, or his mother what he had done. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after a time he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. 
And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating. And came to his father and his mother and he gave them. And they did eat. But he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 9. And we trust and pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text tonight is taken from Judges chapter 14, verses 5 through to 8. We read, Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnah, and came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion roared against him. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. So he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after a time he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. But my subject this evening is entitled Samson and the Slaughter of the Lion. Now, last week we commenced a mini-series on the life of Samson. From chapter 13 of the book of Judges, we learned that Samson was born into a privileged background with godly parents. Upon hearing news that his aged barren wife was to give birth to a son, Manoah, his father, asked the angel, How shall we order the child, and what shall we do unto him? Now, I believe this was an honourable request that majored in bringing up Samuel in the fear and in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. Samson was born then into a God-fearing, God-honouring home and from his birth he's brought up under the knowledge that he had a Nazarite vow from birth uh, put upon him. He was to eat no grapes, he was to touch no dead bodies, he was to drink no alcoholic drink and this Nazarite vow was a sign of a separation and consecration unto the Lord. The abstinence of these things was a sign, as I've said, of a separation unto the Lord, an emblem in a sense of his consecration to God himself. Now the strange thing is that from his conception until his early manhood, he's maybe now in his 20s, the Bible tells us nothing about him. The Bible is silent. Whenever we come to verse 24, it says in Judges 13, And the woman bare a son, and called his name Samson. Remember I told you it means sonny. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And then we come to verse 25, And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtaol. Samson discovers that God has a plan and purpose for his life. God is going to use Samson to bring about the deliverance of the children of Israel from the Philistines. Now the name Samson means, as I've said, sunny or, or sunshine. And um, 
God has blessed him with wonderful strength. He, he really just looks like an ordinary man, young people. He doesn't look like a he-man figure with bulging biceps and big legs like a trunk of a tree and, and arms like the boughs of a tree. I believe he was just a, a, an ordinary man. Yes, he had tremendous strength. But you know the sad thing about Samson? He didn't live up to his name. He, he didn't use his strength really to the glory and honour of God. For he was a man of many contradictions, a strong man physically, but he was weak spiritually. A man who was dedicated to God from his birth, but he was also a man who was dedicated to live for himself. A man who did great feats for God, but yet also a man who's guilty of great follies. He's really a complex, puzzling character. I believe he's a great example of what a true believer should not be. A great example of what a true believer should not do. And yet if the truth is told, when we think of Samson's life and Samson's testimony, he, he represents so many of us, this preacher included, especially this preacher, in one's individual walk with God. And as I've looked into the life of Samuel, as I, I've thought about this man of faith, and he was a true Old Testament believer, I, I accept that. And yet at times in his life, he, he displayed a very carnal, backslidden side to his lifestyle. I want you to think as we come into chapter 14, because Samson is now approximately about 20 years old. He might even be slightly older. And as we listen to the word of God, we're, we're learning something more about his life. We're thinking of Samson and the slaughter of the lion. Now, four little thoughts from this text of Scripture. I want you to think, first of all, of the way that Samson descended. It says in verse 5, Then went Samson down. Now, the word then is hotan in the Hebrew. It means at that time. We'll link it up with verse 1 of the same chapter. And Samson went down to Timnah. And we read in verse 5, Then went Samson down. In fact, in the space of seven verses, we learn that Samson's pathway was, was downward. 14 verse 1, down to Timnah. 14 verse 5, Then went Samson down, and his father and his mother. And in verse 7, and he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. Now, now that was true geographically. He, he was in the camp of Dan. Uh, he was born into the tribe of Dan. And he lived somewhere between Zotan and Eshtaol. Uh, and uh, if you uh, think of Zorah and go to Timnah, you've got to go down. Timnah's also in the territory of Dan. And this was true for Samson geographically. But I believe it was also true of Samson spiritually. Samson was going down. Samson was going his own way. Samson was doing what was right in his own eyes. If you look at verse 5 very carefully it says, Then went Samson down and his father and mother to Timnah and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now we'll stop there. Timnah was in the territory of Dan, but it was really a Philistine town. It was occupied by the Philistines. And Timnah means in the Hebrew, the place of the vines. 
And remember, Samson is a Nazarite from birth. And he shouldn't have been in the place of the vines. Samson's really in the wrong place. And in the book of Numbers, in Numbers uh, chapter 6, we read in verse um, 2, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink, and shall drink no vinegar of wine. That's why I was worried about the cider vinegar. Or vinegar of strong drink, Neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, or eat moist grapes, or dried. There's many other things that we could read there, but we'll stop for a moment. Timna is the center of the wine industry. And there's this young man, 20 odd years of age, he's got the Nazarite vow upon him from birth, and he's not to eat the fruit of the vines, he's to drink no wine or strong drink, he's also not to shave his head, he's also not to touch the carcass of a dead body, and and this is all part of his vow. And here he is, down in Timna, and we're told, and came to the vineyards of Timna, He should not have been in the place of the vines. Samson's in the wrong place. He's separated unto the Lord from birth. He was to be separated, especially from these things. Now, while he was there, of course, he saw a Philistine woman, but she pleased him very well. While he was there, he he slew a lion because a, a lion rose up against him. And it was only in the mercy and providence of goodness of God that he had the strength to slew the lion or the lion would have strewed him. And also we read then in verse 7, And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And we read in verse 8, And after a time he returned to take her and turned aside to see the carcass of the lion Behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. On the third visit to Timna, now we don't know how long had elapsed from his first visit to his second visit to his third visit, but he's on his third visit now. He's still going down to the place of the vines. And he comes upon the carcass of the lion, the lion that he slew with his bare hands. And he discovered there's something inside the lion. Oh, there's a swarm of bees. But there's also lovely honey there, pleasant to taste. And he wanted some. And Samson being the man that he was, he was undeterred. And Samson partook of the honey. And of course we could use that tonight, as some have done, to, to preach the gospel. Um, sweetness in the place of death. But I want to tell you tonight that I believe that all of Samson's actions were contrary to the word of God. Every step that he took was taking him in rebellion against the word of God. See, all rebellion takes us away from God. All rebellion takes us away from the holy standards of the word of God. Samson going down to the place of the vine. Samson wanting the woman of this Philistine town. Samson facing the lion and killing it. Samson reaching into the dead carcass of the lion and taking the honey and going to his parents and giving it to them, but not telling them whence he got it. See, all the steps that he took tie into this word 
down. Because all the steps were down. And they were contrary to the mind and will of God. You see, Samson sadly was turning away from the clear precepts of the word of God. I believe that all that he did at this time was unscriptural and unbiblical. And that was one of the traits in the life of Samson. And isn't it a trait that we find in our own hearts and minds in our day and generation? Samson is departing from God's ordained path for his life. We could ask the question. If we had been able to get into the time capsule and go to Timna, we could ask Samson, what are you doing here, Samson? In the place of the vines, you're a Nazarite. What are you doing lusting and looking after a Philistine woman? You're a Nazarite man. What are you doing reaching into the carcass of a dead lion? You're a Nazarite man. You're separate unto the Lord from birth. You should be separate from these things. Even legitimate things, Samson. He should never have been in the vineyard. He should never have set foot in Timna. He, he, he should never have a mind to go in. He should never have put himself in the place of temptation or harm. All that he did was wrong. And I want to say tonight, here's a little principle. If it appears to be wrong, then avoid it like the plague. Reverend George White and Coleraine used to make the statement, if in doubt, leave it out. And Samson didn't. He didn't leave it out. In the vineyard he put himself in the place of danger. Who tackles a lion? A, a young lion. Did you know that the roar of a lion could be heard five miles away? Could frighten the wits out of you? And the lion roared against Samson. The, Lamson, the, the lion rose against Samson because he was in the very place where he ought not to be. Now, I want to say tonight, and I'm not tramping on anybody's toes, but I want to say this from the pulpit. A true Christian ought not to be down in the pub consuming alcohol. A true Christian ought not to be in the dance floor, in the nightclub, booging away to the devil's music. A true Christian would never be found in the arms of another man or another woman. A true Christian would never be a thief or a murderer. A true Christian could not be a, a, a sodomite. A true Christian will not be a liar. A, a true Christian will not bear false witness against his neighbor. A true Christian would not have a, a covetous spirit. A true Christian would not be playing golf on a Sunday. It's six other days to play golf. I have nothing against playing golf. I, I don't play golf. I'd far rather go to the library and read a book. But some people enjoy golf. But there's six days to play it. The Sabbath is a different day. The Sabbath is the Lord's day. And you see, Samson knew the law of God. He knew what the Lazarite vow entailed. His mother and father warned him about it. He was brought up with it. It was instilled into him. And yet despite that, here was the way that he descended. He went down. And that to me is interesting. Twenty odd years of age. And three times we read. He went down to this place. I want you to think secondly. Of the woman that Samson desired. 
See, sadly, I believe Samson is a young man heading for trouble in his life. He's ignoring the warning signs. There's a big sign spiritually that says danger ahead. The road to dishonor and defeat is in front of you, Samson. He desired a woman in Timnah. See, in the place of vines, out of the will of God, shouldn't have been there. It says in 14 verse 1, And saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Um, it says in verse 7, And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. Now, in Timnah, this woman captured his eye. And then he talked to the woman in verse 7. And then on his third visit, whatever time had elapsed, he took the woman. Look at verse 8. And after a while, he returned to take her. That's his intention. You see, the woman's on his heart and mind. He's thinking about her. She's just captivated by her. Maybe she was a beautiful woman, I don't know, like one of these models or a film star. But he goes home after seeing her. Look at verse 2. And he came up and told his father and mother and said, I've seen a woman in Timnath, the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, look at this. Get her for me to wife. Dad, she's the one. Dad, my mind is made up. I want no other woman but her. I'm not going to consider other women, Dad. He's not thinking of God. He's not thinking of the word of God. Isn't it interesting that there's three ungodly women that govern the life of Samson in his service for God? The woman of Timnah, the woman of Gath, a woman called Delilah. Three ungodly women. And you know what they do, each of them? They shorten his life of usefulness. They shorten his life of service for God because Samson's strong physically, even though he probably looked like an ordinary man. But he was weak spiritually. Do you know what he had, young people? He had no self-control. He had great strength. But I want to tell you, true strength is not measured by how much you can lift. I know a man who visits my house, some of you know him, and he showed me a picture of him lifting a donkey on the beach. And that's tremendous. And I'll tell you something, I wouldn't have liked to have done that. I know another woman that lifted her father out of a car into a wheelchair and she bust her back and uh, had her... her Discs uh, had to have be removed. But true strength is not measured in how much you can lift. Here's the secret of true strength. How much under the Spirit of God and by the grace of God your own actions are controlled, your attitudes are controlled, your appetites are controlled. Doesn't the Bible tell us there in the book of Proverbs, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty better than the greatest soldier and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city who's the greatest man he that slow to anger is better than the mighty and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city see Samson's problem was spiritual the problem was his own sinful heart and remember what we read over there in the book of James, in uh, James uh, chapter 1 and in the verse uh, 15, it, it says there, But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Verse 14, verse 15, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, 
my beloved brethren. See, Samson was longing for things that God had forbidden. Samson wanted her. Nothing was going to stop Samson from getting her. Not even the objection of his parents. Did you read verse 3? Then his father and mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And then look at Samson's response. And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. And that literally means she is right in mine eyes. Not even what the word of God said would deter Samson. Samson felt his own happiness was more important than holiness. Not even what God's will was to govern his life. And the Bible clearly tells us Exodus 34 and 16, Deuteronomy 7 and 3, Joshua 23 and 12, that, that the Israelitish man, certainly the one under a Nazarite vow, was not to take a wife of the uh, uncircumcised Philistine or any of the Canaanitish women. Samson wasn't concerned what even anyone else thought. He wasn't concerned what was in the best interest of the nation. I believe his desire for this woman stood in opposition to the will of God for his life. Even though God providentially allowed it and overruled it. Samson was a Nazarite unto God, separated unto the Lord, consecrated to God his entire life. His life was not to do with his own what he pleased. Remember what we read there in the book of um, Corinthians, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own for your body with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And over in the book of Titus, we read in Titus chapter 2, who gave himself for us, speaking of Christ, think of his death on the cross, that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Jesus died to save us from sins, penalty, power, pleasure, and one day from his presence. And listen to this. And purify unto himself a peculiar people, a different people, zealous of good works. We're his tonight by creation. He made us for himself. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We're his by redemption. Lord Jesus came into the world and shed his precious blood that through the shedding of his blood, our sins might be forgiven. We're his by adoption. He claims us as his own. And therefore we're not to be controlled by unbridled lust. We're, 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 we're not to live and do as we please. It's not about us getting my way. It's not all that matters to me is my way. It's God's will for me. What, what's to govern my life? The woman that Samson desired. Not only the way that he descended and the woman they desired, but I want you to notice thirdly and quickly, the word that Samson disobeyed. You see, Samson rejected his parents' advice and their word of counsel. They, they, they warned against this woman. They tried to change his mind. They, they wanted Samson to marry a good girl, an Israelitish girl, not an uncircumcised Philistine. But Samson didn't appreciate that word. Samson ignored that word. You see, Samson, as far as he was concerned, centered in his choice. 
first and foremost. Because his heart, really, I believe, was in a state of rebellion to God's word and to God's will. It was a manifestation of the rebellious nature. His godly parents seemed to give in to his demands. Maybe they grew up with the mindset, what's going to make Samson happy? Rather than what's going to make Samson holy. If you look with me at verse 5, it says, Then went Samson down, and his father and his mother to Timna. They go with him to the place of the vines. Isn't that interesting? Samson, when he gets there, goes off for a walk and he's attacked by a lion, a young lion. He kills it with his bare hands. And providentially, as I've said, I believe that God spared Samson's life because God was going to use this incident for a greater good and and for his own glory. Even though Samson was guilty of disobedience to the word of God. See, many, of course, read this great feat of Samson and they forget that Samson was guilty of great folly. He shouldn't have been there. What's the Nazarite doing in the vineyard? That was the place where he was. It was against number six, three and four. He was not to partake of anything on the vine. He was not to drink wine. He he was to to grow up learning to say no to sin. He he had no business being there. How, how, How did he come to be there? Because he was disobedient to the word of God in his heart and life. The Bible tells us to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. To him it is sin. He's putting his Nazarite vow in jeopardy. Here he is on the third visit. He comes near the dead body of the lion. He sees some lovely honey there. He's full of self-will. He's strong now in his disobedience. He's already violated his Nazarite vow by being in the vineyard, by desiring this uncircumcised Philistine woman who's nameless. And now he's easy to violate it a third time by reaching into the carcass of the dead lion. You see, if he did touch a dead lion, he was to go to the priest, he was to shave his head, they were to offer the sacrifice, and on the basis of the blood, he was to start afresh his old Nazarite vow and consecration unto the Lord. And Samson didn't do that. Samson was disobeying God's word. And you know, to disobey God's words got consequences. Now, I think tonight of how many are, are blatantly disobeying God's word. Do you know that tonight that there's churches who don't believe in the doctrine of the Trinity? If you were a believer and wanted to be baptized in that particular church or in that particular denomination, they wouldn't baptize you in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. They'd only baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do you know why? Because they're fixated on one particular text in the book of Acts. They've taken that one text and, and they've made that one text into a whole doctrine. And they've set aside many other texts of Holy Scripture. And of course we have to compare Scripture with Scripture. And, and this particular denomination is guilty of the heresy of celibates. It's, it's rank heresy. Celibacism is alive and well. They don't believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. 
one indivisible essence who subsists in three persons. You see, you can't take verses out of context. You can't ignore the plain, clear precepts of the word of God. There's no contradiction in the scriptures. There's no error in the scriptures. But, but you, you can't ignore the word of God and not have consequences. Once you ignore the word of God, then it leads to a further downward path. The word that Samson disobeyed. It's all tied into number six. It's all tied into the book of Leviticus. And Leviticus tells us, you see, in relation to the lion, that the lion was an unclean animal. And Samson was not to touch it. For the moment he did, he become defiled. And he needed to be cleansed and covered by the blood. And one final thing as our time is gone. The wantonness. That Samson demanded. He seen the honey there. And he delighted in honey. And he wanted it. Despite the swarm of bees that was there. You think of the many. Who delight in the pleasures of this life. And are quite happy and prepared to violate the teaching of the word of God. Who is the Lord that I should obey him like Pharaoh. Who cares what God teaches or what God says? Samson forgot that the lion was an unclean animal. And Leviticus 11, 26 and tells us that. He should not have touched the carcass of the dead animal. The sad thing is he, he took the honey and he gave it to his parents. You notice the reading there. It says, um, verse 9, And came to his father and mother and he gave them and they did eat. But he told them not that he'd taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Why did he not tell them? Why did he not tell them that he'd killed the lion in the first place? Here's the answer. Because he was violating his Nazarite vow. He was defiling his parents. They didn't know it. There's no good thing decent or upright about sin all sin is disobedience and transgression of the law of God Samson discovered to his own hurt and shame that by touching the honey he was further violating the Nazarite vow, and he was discovering that he had become unclean in the eyes of the Lord and what he needed, of course, was to repent and return and get right with God through presenting himself to the priest, through shaving his head, through the offering of the blood sacrifice and starting afresh. But we don't read that. Samson had a wanton heart. He delighted in the pleasures of this life. He wanted to partake of that which was sweet and lovely. But he did to his own heart because he was violating the clear principles and teaching of the word of God. Samson and the slaughter of the lion. The way he descended. He went down. The woman he desired. It was an uncircumcised Philistine. The, the word that he disobeyed. It was God's word. You think of the many that disobey God's word. Just ignore it. Have a careless attitude and spirit. You, you, maybe you're here tonight and you're, you're not even a Christian. You haven't yet trusted Christ. And yet God's word tells you. 
for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God's word tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's word tells us, repent ye and believe the gospel. And I asked, have you repented? Have you acknowledged your sin? Have you held up your hands and said, Lord, I'm a sinner from Jesus came to save? Isn't that what Paul said? Uh, um, uh, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus come into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief the chief of sinners Paul said became a saved man through the confession of a sin through repentance through receiving of Christ but how many live in disobedience and rebellion to what God says because of a wantonness of their own heart for the pleasures of this life I, I close doesn't the Bible ask the question, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Your soul's very important. Pleasures of sin, yes, for a season. But what about the great eternity? What about meeting God in the day of judgment? These are more important, more weightier matters to consider. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to your heart this evening. I confess we're only scratching the surface there's many other things that we could say, but I trust it will whet your appetite a little bit for the study of the life of Samson.